today by the end of the service you'll know how to get your very own t-shirt i'm sure you guys are all on the edge of your seat waiting to find that out right sure hey um today we're talking about serving and um as a way of kind of ushering us into that we want to take a moment and honor a couple who have uh, faithfully served grace for a long time so doug and alice if you'd come on up um, doug has served uh, as one of our elders yeah welcome them to the state And if the elders want to come up, that would be great as well. Doug has served as one of our elders for uh, over 13 years, which is a pretty amazing thing. You should clap for that. Anybody that can be an elder for over 13 years. Um, for those of you who know the history here at Grace, um, when Doug came on as an elder, we were in a pretty, um, coming just out of a pretty tumultuous season. The church had gone through a rough time, and Doug was one of the first elders named to kind of help lead us out of that season and into a new era of grace and mercy and ministry, um, and Doug has served faithfully through that. Through all of that time, Alice has been very faithful and loyal in serving in the worship arts, playing the flute, serving in children's ministry, taking care of our kids, and they both have just um, served well. One of the things we do, um, there you go. nothing for you, sorry, it's all for her. Um, one of the things we do as elders is every three or four years, we give the elders a sabbatical, and during their sabbatical, ask them to just pray about what God is doing in their lives. And um, Doug is just coming off a of sabbatical and has let us know that he just feels like his time as an elder, that season is done. He's not going anywhere. He's still uh, committed to grace and they'll still be here and they'll still be serving. They'll go get their I Will shirts later. 
but uh, we just wanted to take a moment and thank both of them for serving so faithfully, and we wanted to pray over them uh, for whatever God has next. So I think Bryce is going to pray, and uh, if you would just join with us, that would be awesome. Lord, we are so grateful for Doug and Alice and for the way that you've used them to encourage us, to lead us, to protect says that your gifts and your calling are irrevocable, and we know that you continue to have a call on their lives to serve you and to honor you and to invest their life in the kingdom. We thank you for the energy they poured into leadership as an elder, and we pray that you would just release them from that into something new, and that they would find great joy and fulfillment as they continue to bring life and the joy of your kingdom to others around them. We bless them and their family. We pray that you would I think we can clap better than that. 13 years as an elder, that's a pretty cool thing. Thank you very much. Hey, we are in a series we're calling Essentials, and what we've been doing, we actually wrap it up uh, this Sunday, and um, we've been walking through the six essentials. These are the essentials that you need in your life in order to grow spiritually. And I know you've heard them, but let me walk through them one more time. The first essential is that you gather, and you're doing it right now, so I guess you could say I'm preaching to the choir. Uh, but you need to be a regular attender. You need to be in a church where you are hearing the word of God taught, where you are participating in spirit-led worship. If you're a visitor here, um, then we just want to encourage you to find that uh, in your own home church. But we also know that you need to be here, and you need to be here on a regular occasion. You need to be willing to connect with other people. What we know to be true is that this is not enough, that if this is all you do, that you're going to have a hard time growing spiritually. You need to be in a place where you can share your life with other people and they can share their life with you and you can live out all of those one another passages in scripture of encouraging one another and confessing to one another and all of the things that come with that. So you need to connect and we also know that you need to serve. The idea of serving is using the very things that God has given you to advance the kingdom. That's really what we're going to talk about um, for the rest of the service. So those are what we call the outer essentials because we do those in community. We do those together as a church. You can't do those things by yourself. And then we have what we call the inner essentials, the first of which is that you are a person of influence, that you're willing to share what God has given to you. The scriptures tell us that we are to be light in a dark world. So are you being light in your workplace and in your family and all the places? Be a person of influence, that we want you to have a heart of devotion, that devotions is not that you do devotions, we want you to do that as well, but that you have hearts that are fully devoted to God. And then lastly, we want you to have hearts of generosity, meaning that you want to bring everything to play for the kingdom of God, your family, your gifts, your talents, your treasures, your workplace, everything you have. There's no compartmentalizing your life, but you put it all in play, you're all in, and everything you have is to advance the kingdom of God. So those are the six essentials that will help you to grow. And what we're saying is if we get into the six essentials, that it helps us to live into our mission statement here at Grace. What is our mission statement here at Grace? We are... You guys are way better than the first service. Way better, just so you know. You can put that on your t-shirt later. Better than the first service. Let's do it one more time. We are... So to live like Jesus and the six essentials are intertwined, what we're saying is these are uh, ways that you can engage the kingdom of God and the movement of God in your lives in order to grow spiritually. So this Sunday, 
we are talking about serving, and as a way of kind of leading my way into the talk, I would like to invite six of my friends up here, um, and they are going to come share a little bit about their own experience in serving. So would you welcome my friends to the stage? And I'm going to sit here. Keisha, will you sit right here? Oh, Jess is going to sit there. Okay. This was very confusing the first service. It's still confusing. And we have a mic this time. All right. We forgot the mic the first time, too. So you guys could all just talk into my face. No, we won't do that. You got a mic? Somebody's got a mic? We have a mic. Okay, if we do this again, you're in charge of mics. All right, so here's what I want to do. I'm going to introduce uh, the ministry leaders. I want them to tell you a little bit about what they do, and then they're going to introduce their friend uh, that they brought up. And what I really want you to do is just hear a little bit from people who are serving and how God has used their serving um, to impact them. So, Paula, why don't you tell us who you are, what you do, and who you brought with you. It's like show and tell, kind of. So I'm Paula Smith. Um, I'm the Director of Connections here at Grace. And one of my favorite responsibilities is the First Impressions team. And these are the parking lot greeters and the usher greeters, the cafe team, security, um, and guest services, sorry, um, that are here to welcome everyone on Sunday. And our mission is that from the time people pull into the parking lot until the time they leave, they know that they matter to God and that they matter to us. And um, that's just really important to us. And so this is Lloyd. And Hi, he's been, Lloyd. Had, um, yeah, we love Lloyd. Lloyd has been serving for a few years and recently stepped into the leadership role of the parking lot. Yeah. Oh, I, I have to say one more thing. I would love for... Wait, I want to say something. <laughs> I would love for everyone right now to just thank the men that are in the parking lot. They are out there in the wind and the snow and the sleet and the ice, the rain. So thank you. Mailmen have nothing on them. Nothing. So, Lloyd, tell us a little bit about what you're doing. Just tell me and, and everybody here kind of how serving helped you to get kind of connected at the church and just whatever you feel like that has put on your heart. Okay. Uh, well, uh, what I would say is kind of what I said at first service. Uh, serving has helped me immensely because it's been just a great blessing. That's the strongest words I can use. It's a blessing to get a chance to serve people and help and in whichever way we can. And also to serve each other on the team. Yeah, you talked a little bit earlier about how it helped you to get to know some people. And Absolutely. Talk about that? Yeah, because when I came here, um, I sat in the pews, and I eventually grew to feel like this was home. And I still really didn't know anyone. So it wasn't until I started to commit to small group work and commit to serving on the team that I felt like now I know a ton of people. He said in the first service he knows a yeah, million, million people. So that's pretty good, just from working in the parking lot. Right. A million people. Yeah. That's awesome. So one of the things I just, I know that Paula just said it, but um, when we do our new member classes, when we do pizza with the pastor, we hear over and over from the minute I pulled into the parking lot, I felt welcomed here at Grace. And I just want to make sure that we stop and we thank Lloyd and his team, because that is a powerful thing that people feel served that way. So let's just thank Lloyd for what the parking lot does. Thank you, Lloyd. Lakeisha, you want to? introduce yourself and your friend. Good morning, Grace family. I'm Lakeisha Patton, and I'm the director of children's ministry, so I oversee. Yay! <laughs> wow. I 
oversee first through third grade, so it's a blessing to serve your kids each and every Sunday. And this is Jessica. Wow, quick introduction. So Jessica, why don't you tell us a little bit how you got plugged in, what you're doing right now uh, for us, and then we'll go from there. Um, well, first, my background is I went to school for interior design, and um, I came from a church where I was very heavily involved, and when my husband and I moved here in August, I thought, oh, this is perfect time to kind of take a break from church and ministry and just sit back and kind of just sit out there and not, not really do anything. Do anything. Yeah. Well, he's like, well, we need to go to the impact meeting. I'm like, okay. So we went, and I thought, oh, I need to be a part of this. <laughs> I just felt such a nudge to be involved with that. And so I talked to Dora, and she hooked me up with Lakeisha. And come to find out they're doing the children's ministry, redoing that whole area. And I had just finished redoing the children's ministry at our last church that we came from. So it was all in God's timing. That's really cool. So I have some pictures. So um, one of the things Jessica did for us is she really put together, I guess you would call these storyboards of what we're going to do in the children's wing. So you will see a radical transformation in that whole wing of new colors, uh, new graphics, new things on the wall, um, just really exciting stuff. And this is a perfect example of what we're going to talk about today, that, that feeling the nudge of the spirit to step into what God has already gifted you to do. Um, and I, I'm confident we wouldn't have anything nearly as cool uh, for the children's wing if not for Jessica and the work that she's doing. So thanks. And she has something else she needs to say. And when you feel the nudge to, to you know, obey God in anything, um, it's, it was such a joy to do those. It wasn't work. It That's was cool. fun. Yeah. So we hear all the time people say, you know, like I, start, I wanted to serve. But when I started serving, I got more than I gave. There is this God's economy in that, that you really you really do receive more, whether you're tutoring a kid or working in the parking lot or helping do the drawings. That's just how God works it out. So, John, why don't you tell us what's going on in your end of the couch? My name's John, and uh, I oversee worship arts, so I get to lead you guys in worship. And uh, <laughs> but the truth is, I couldn't do it for the many times that we have kind of music things going on at church without... Uh, lots and lots of men and women like Matt. So I'll, I'll let him tell you a little more about his involvement um, in worship arts. Well, good morning. Uh, as John mentioned, I'm in worship arts. I, I'm a keyboard player. I've been involved for about four years. Uh, but really for me, it all started with, uh, with my father's business. Uh, Yeah, uh, and I, where I served, uh, I started serving about six so years Matt, ago. So, why, why don't you tell them real quick what my father's business is? Sure, well, my father's know. business, I mean, we, we serve a, a number of uh, families that uh, that are, it's a, a food pantry, basically, and uh, there are a number of families that are involved in the, that just, that are uh, falling on hard times, and they, and they, they need groceries. Perfect. Basically. Okay, so, uh, but prior to, prior to getting involved in, uh, in my father's business, uh, I was one of those, uh, CEO kind of guys, you know, the guys that only go to church uh, Christmas, Easter only kind of thing. So um, that's what it was. And so uh, through my involvement in, in, in my father's business, I started coming to church shortly after I got involved in my father's business. I started coming to church for the first time because I wanted to come to church. So that was, that was a pretty cool thing. Uh, and through work, through a, uh, my father's business, I got ultimately got involved in, uh, in worship arts. And uh, it's had a profound impact on me. 
uh, shortly after I got involved in worship arts, I, I owned a Bible for the first time in my life. I, uh, I joined a small group for the first time in my life, and, and shortly after that, I, uh, I accepted Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. So I, as, I, as I often tell John, I mean, this is, you know, I've, I've been a musician all my life, uh, but what we do here is it's, it's the most meaningful thing I've ever done musically and one of the most meaningful thing I've ever done. That's awesome. That's great. So really the, the message is serve and watch how God moves. Watch how God uses your serving to get you more connected, to use the gifts and passions to lead you deeper spiritually and um, I just want you to take a moment and thank our friends for coming up here and sharing a bit of their story. So thank you. So uh, if you want to grab your Bibles, your readers, and open up to 1 Peter chapter 4, if you're using the red Bibles under your seat, that's page 1016. Um, you can look that up. And while you're looking for that, I want to give you just a little bit of context of what's going on here. What is what is Peter talking about? So, so Peter is writing, again, we're in 1 Peter chapter 4. Peter is writing to the church, and he's telling the church, here is how you can be effective in a hostile environment. The church is under persecution. The church is actually scattered at this time because there's so much persecution. And so Peter is writing a letter saying, if you want to be effective in this hostile environment, here's how you ought to operate as a church. I think it's fascinating to me that the, the questions that, that Peter was answering 2,000 years ago are still the questions that we're asking today. How are we to live our lives as followers of Jesus? How are we to live our lives as a, as a church? How are we to live in such a way that we impact society, even if society is hostile to the things of Christianity? I find it fascinating. The needs of the first century church are exactly the same as the needs of the church today. I'm reading a book right now, and in the book, the authors, through a lot of research, say that the majority of people in America, don't miss this, say that faith and religion is the problem with America. It used to be that Christianity was at the, kind of the center of our society, and so when people would fall on hard times, when people would have difficulties, their natural tendency, because it was part of our social structure, was to say, well, at least I know if I go to God, then I'm going to find the answers. Now, that's still true, but that's not people's first inclination. What their first inclination is, no, religion and faith is the problem with America, so it's the last place I'd go. And kind of Christianity has become something on the periphery of society. We are no longer a Christian nation, and I hope I'm not breaking any news to you, but I don't think we're ever going to go back. But here's the deal. We are still called to have an impact on that world that's outside of these doors. We are still called, even if society is hostile to faith and hostile to Christianity, we are still called to have an impact on society. Interestingly enough, that's the very circumstances of which this letter is written. I have a little homework assignment for you if you want. Go back and read 1 Peter. It's only five chapters. You can read it in one sitting, no problem. But read it holding on to this question. What am I or how am I to live my life and have an impact in this world? How are we as a church to live out our 
lives in such a way to have an impact. And if you hold on to that question and you read through First Peter, you'll see all kinds of, of nuggets of truth of how you are to interact with the people around you, even if they're hostile, even if they're not accepting of your beliefs. There's still a way that you can have a huge impact on them. So we're going to read First Peter 4. I'm going to read verses 7 through 11. First Peter 4, 7 through 11. Peter writes, the end of all things is at hand. Therefore, be self-controlled and sober-minded for the sake of your prayers. Above all, keep loving one another earnestly, since love covers a multitude of sins. Show hospitality to one another without grumbling. As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Whoever speaks as one who speaks oracles, God. Whoever serves is one who serves by the strength that God supplies. In order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to him be the glory, dominion forever and ever. Amen? So what we have in this passage is we have four exhortations, and then we have one profound and powerful outcome that comes when we live into these four exhortations. But we got to start with answering the question, Okay, Doug, but what's an exhortation? An exhortation is simply an emphatically urging someone to do something. When you emphatically urge someone, you got to do this. No, you really, you got to do it. You are exhorting them to do it. Now, you, I want you to think about this for a minute. This is Peter. You know who Peter was? He was one of the 12 disciples. He was actually one of the inner circle within the 12 disciples of Jesus' inner circle. Peter is the one that Jesus said, no, your name's going to be Peter, which means rock, because on you, I'm going to build my church, right? That's the Peter we're talking about. So, so he's got some credentials that we ought to pay attention to. So here's the question I would ask you. Who is it that if they were to walk in this room right now, and they were to give you a, a piece of advice, if they were to, em, to emphatically urge you to do something, would you take their advice? Let's just say, for instance, you are a budding singer, and you want to sing for the Lord, you want to be a major recording artist, and Mariah Carey just happened to swing by the church and began to give you some tips on singing. Chances are you'd pay pretty close attention, right? She's got some pretty good um, skills. She's come a long ways in, in her singing. She would be an expert. Or, or let's just say you're a young man and you want to be a professional basketball player and you're working on your jump shot. And Steph Curry walks into the gym and says, hey, I'd like to show you a couple things about shooting a basketball probably one of the purest shooters we've ever seen. Well, you would pay attention. You would take everything he said to heart. You would probably write it down, and you would try to live into whatever he had to say. Or maybe you like to cook, and Bobby Flay says, hey, I'm going to come over to your house and help whip up some good grub. You're going to listen to Bobby Flay, right? Why would you listen to him? Because they, they have this level of, of credentials. They are the experts. And so if they urge you to do something, you're going to grab onto what they're urging you to do. So Peter... Right? Peter, the guy that Jesus said, hey, on you, I'm going to build my church, is urging us to live our lives in a particular way so that we can be effective as a church. So we need to pay attention. We need to take heart to what Peter is saying because he truly is the expert. Four exhortations. The first one is found in verse 7, and that's that we pray. And not that we just pray, but that we pray with purpose and we pray with Passion. So he says these words. He says, The end of all things is at hand. Therefore, be self-controlled, sober-minded, for the sake of your prayers. He starts with the end of all things is at hand. The 
but that was 2,000 years ago. Was he wrong? I mean, he's actually writing this saying to us, look, Christ is coming back, that things are going to not, not have any more time, but now it's 2,000 years later. What's the deal? And here's, here's the deal. When you read through the New Testament, when you read through the writings of Paul, when you read through the writings of Peter, matter of fact, as you do the very homework I gave you and you read through 1 Peter, you're going to see in chapters 2 and chapters 3 that, that Peter actually talks about living your life as if Christ was going to return right away, that you need to be expectant of any moment. You don't know when he's going to come back, so you need to live your life as if he's coming back tomorrow. So he's writing with that same understanding in mind that time is limited. But here's the deal. I don't know if you know this, but every one of the first century readers of this letter is dead. Right? Peter is dead. Now we know he lives again. He's in heaven, so he has eternal life. But the truth is, the ability for us to share our faith, the opportunity for us to lead others towards Christ, there is a limited amount of time for us to do that. It is not infinite. It is Finite. It is not unlimited. It is very limited. And he's saying, look, you need to understand that because people are dying and they're going to hell. People are going to leave this world not knowing who Jesus is and spend the rest of eternity apart from God. Look, that ought to be sobering to us. That ought to shake us to the core of who we are. And it ought to affect the way that we pray. God, use me. Use us. Use this church to reach the lost for the kingdom of God. I mean, imagine for a minute, maybe the best way for you to get how serious this is, is think about somebody in your life who you love, who you know they don't know Jesus. That ought to move you towards action. It ought to move you towards this prayer life where you are fervently praying, God, use me, teach me, grow me, do whatever you have to do in me so that I can be a witness for you for the kingdom because time is short. In the first service, one of the baptism testimonies was, I realized that because of a car accident, a near-death experience, that I needed Jesus. We all need a near-death experience. We all need to realize that in the scheme of eternity, we are all near death and that we need Jesus. And so do our friends and our family and our co-workers and the people who are outside of the church. So we are to pray, and we're to pray feverently, and we're supposed to, to pray with passion. So what he's saying is wake up, get serious, realize that time is short, time is of the essence. Take whatever God has called you to do seriously and to do it and to bask it in prayer. So the first exhortation is that we pray. The second exhortation is that we love. So look at verse 8. It says, above all, keep loving one another earnestly, since love covers a multitude of sins. The word for love here is agape. And agape love is not about a warm, fuzzy feeling. There is a word for that. But the word agape is actually about movement towards people. It's actually a picture of benevolence. Of actually, so the, the pure definition of agape is seeing the needs of other people and putting those needs above your own. So it's saying, look, I know I want to do this, but I'm not going to do this because this person needs me to do that. It's best exemplified in Christ who laid down all that he had and came and moved towards us because he knew that we needed someone to stand in the gap between us and God. So that's the picture of agape love. And so Paul says, if you, or Peter says, if you live by this agape love, if you actually move towards one another, that it will cover a multitude of sins. Now, this isn't rocket science. See, really all he's saying is, think about it in, in terms of like 
my home life, if I really love Meg well, if I actually show Meg with my actions that I see her needs, that I, that I see her interests, and that I put her interests above my own, if I'm willing to go to a movie that I really don't want to see because it's what she wants to see and I'm not going to do it. And I love it. he says, you know, and later he says to do this stuff without grumbling, but to, to really have a heart that you want to bless somebody. The more that I am seeing Meg's needs and I'm serving Meg, when I screw up, because I'm going to screw up, okay, just a couple amens, right? Amen, you're going to, right? When I do, what it's saying here is that the path to healing, the path to forgiveness, the path to reconciliation is much shorter. It's much easier. So put this in the context of the church. As we learn to serve one another, as we learn to agape love one another, as I learn to see your needs and you learn to see my needs and you learn to see their needs and they learn to see your needs and we begin to serve each other, what he's saying is you will have a much greater unity within the church because it covers a multitude of sin. And here's what we need to know. We still sin against each other all the time because we're human and we say the wrong thing and we do the wrong thing and we don't step up when we should step up. So we're constantly hurting one another, not on purpose, but as we love each other, we move through those hurts much more rapidly and we're able to have much greater unity as a church. So we're to pray fervently, we're to serve with this agape love, and then the third one is we're to be hospitable. Look at verse 9. It says, show hospitality to one another without grumbling. Hospitality is a specific way that we love each other. It's about making time for someone. It's about making space for someone. It's about making arrangements for someone. It's about making them feel welcome. So you can put on your I will t-shirt and you can serve in the parking lot or you can serve at the front doors and, and you can greet people and you can welcome them and you are absolutely showing them hospitality. But there's more to hospitality than just that. As a matter of fact, if you were part of the band today, if you practiced your music, if you planned out the worship set, you were, you were thinking about what is it that the people coming to church need this Sunday and, and how are we going to deliver it in such a way that it moves them towards the heart of God. You are showing hospitality because you are preparing for your guests to arrive. So hospitality goes beyond standing at the door and welcoming people. That is an important part of hospitality, but we are all to extend hospitality to one another. I have an open-door policy in my office. Basically, 90% of the time, my door is open, and I do that as a way of, of being intentionally hospitable to the rest of the staff. They know anyone can come talk to me whenever they need to. They don't have to set up an appointment. So I shut my door when I'm in a meeting, and I shut my door when I have to, have to, have to get something done on a deadline. Um, so probably 90% of my door is open. But here's what God is showing me. Uh, when somebody walks in my office, if I don't stop what I'm doing, I mean completely stop what I'm doing, if I don't take my hands off the keyboard, if I don't take my eyes off of the screen, if I don't put my cell phone down, boy, that one's hard. Right? It shouldn't be, but literally put my cell phone aside and turn in my chair and look at the person and make eye contact, then I am not being hospitable. Because hospitality at its core is making space in your heart for people. So you can invite people over to your home and you can cook a great meal and you can prepare for them and that's hospitality. But true hospitality is when you sit at the table and you make eye contact and you listen hospitality is about a heart thing. And I love it that he says, do this without grumbling. What he's saying is, it's a heart thing. Do this. Welcome people in. Have these hearts of hospitality. 
So we are to pray, we are to love, we're to be hospitable. And the last thing that we need to do that's an exhortation is we need to serve. Verse 10 says, each of you has received a gift. Use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. God has given you all different kinds of gifts, your varied grace. That's what he's talking about there. And look, it says in, in this passage, it says, each of you. So you are without an excuse. If you are here today, God has given you gifts. So when we talk about serving within the gifts that God has given you, none of you can say, well, I really don't have anything to offer. I'm just not really good at anything. I don't have any gifts. That would make the Bible untrue, and we're going to stick with the premise that the Bible is true in God's word. And it says right here, each of you has been given a gift. We are all without excuse. So this morning's a little bit different. We are calling each of you to live into the gifting and the calling and the purpose that God has given you. The truth of the matter is you cannot live into these four exhortations to pray, to love, to be hospitable, to serve. You cannot do it and sit in your seat. It can't be done unless you decide to get engaged, unless you decide to get out of your seat and serve when God nudges you. So when you're thinking, I don't know, we're new at the church, I really don't want to do anything, and God says, yes, but you have a gift and you can make a difference. You say, okay, I'm going to help with the interior design. Or when you know that we need help in the parking lot and God nudges you to be a part of the parking lot ministry, you step up and you get involved. So these exhortations, it's what it's saying is if we live into it, we have this powerful outcome that, that, that takes place. Here's what I want you to hear this morning. This is not about filling a need. This is not about making you busier. This is about discovering who God made you to be. You get that? This is about discovering who God made you to be and then living into that because that's where you're going to receive God's life. That's where you're going to be fulfilled. That's where you're going to know what your purpose is. This is about you finding your place. And when each of us bring our gifts to the table and we serve together, then we become this force to be reckoned with, having this impact in the community. The passage actually says in verse 11, in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. God may be glorified. The powerful outcome is that God is made known when we each bring our gifting and our talents to the table and we serve the way God has called us to serve. I don't know if you know it, but God has entrusted us with the mission of making him known. You know, that just boggles my mind. God has entrusted to us the job of making him known to the world. And Peter is saying, look, you pray. You come together and you pray and you, you love one another and you serve with the gifts that I've given to you and you treat each other with hospitality. And when you do that, I will be known to the world. This is how the church reaches their redemptive potential. So this morning, we're going to do something a little bit different ending a little quicker than I normally would in the average sermon because I want to give you time to um, step up and to let us know where you want to serve. So in your bulletin, if you look at the inside of your bulletin, you see that it's not a lot of uh, what's coming up. It's all about areas to serve. And here's what I want to tell you. That is not an exhaustive list of places that you can serve. 
It is just a list. You may have a different skill, a different passion, a different desire. Just write that on the card. And if you would write out what you feel like God is prompting you to do, how you can use your gifts, what we want you to do is we want you to take that card to the uh, cafe. As a matter of fact, ministry leaders, if you want to go to the cafe right now and be ready for people to show up for you, that would be great. But you take that card and you go to the cafe. When you turn in the card, they're going to give you one of these amazing t-shirts. Huh? We spared no expense, and we got you t-shirts, but we want you to serve, and we want you to serve in the area that God has called you to serve because we believe that's how we're going to reach our redemptive potential as a church. So some of you have musical gifts. Some of you, God has given you a voice to lead others in worship. We need to know who you are. We need to begin to bring you in. You need to go through an audition, and we need to see if some of you are guitar players and bass players. We need drummers. We need musicians. We need people who are going to be small group leaders with our youth, with our children. We need people who will teach adults. We need people who will work in the parking lot. Not so that we can fill a need. Look, we're fine today. We got, we got people. It's so that you can do what God has called you to do so the church can be who the church has been called to be. So you're going to fill out the card, and you're going to go right to the cafe, and you're going to drop off the card at one of the ministry tables and get your T-shirt, and then... You are going to go get your children. So you can do that first, and we'll watch your kids. Uh, you do need to pick up your kids eventually, okay? But you can go to the cafe first. So let me pray for you. Lord, thank you for the opportunity you give us to serve. Help us to realize that this is not out of guilt, uh, that I am not trying to make any, twist anyone's arm, but it's an invitation. This The movement of God in our lives always starts with an invitation. And so, Lord, would you just move in the hearts of the people to hear it as an invitation to know chance to give the very things that you have given to us back to advance your kingdom. Lord, help us to take it seriously, to know that there are people in the world who are perishing without Jesus, and that you've entrusted the message of Christ to us to take to the world. Help us to be the church you've called us to be at Morassa 994. In Jesus' name, amen. So, head to the cafe. Let's go serve. Where the mountain peaks and carry